very, very quickly, Sandra, would you share with everyone just your praise for Jesus today? All right. We'll just stand up and share it. Um, so, as all of you know, for the past three weeks, I had been really afraid because they'd found on the CAT scan that was showing an abnormality back in my breast where I had the breast cancer. So um, I just got to a place of trusting completely in the Lord, releasing my fear, and um, just spending time in the Word, spending time talking to Him. And thank you all for praying for me, and I'll thank you for all the amazing scriptures you sent me and your prayers because I did, felt no fear for the past three weeks. And when I walked in today um, to the doctor's office, he was just, again, astounded, you know, that um, it was just some scar tissue was all it, it was. So, But thank you. Thank you for uplifting me. Thank you. It is so cool to just... Um, that God is continually writing that resume of his faithfulness in our life. All, every time we talked about Sunday, you know, we're gonna, I'm going to bring it up over and over in my life because my dad taught it to me when, when we had no money and, and he, he was telling me God hasn't provided me any work. You know, he had his own business. And I remember these times where he's, he would get our family together and, and he'd say, we're just going to pray. We're, we've, I've given, I've already tithed. I've already given our money to the Lord. And he has yet to provide. And we have these bills due on these days. And we would lay them out before the Lord. And he would pray. And my dad would pray with such confidence. And, and it changed my life. And I don't know how, how long it took for that to, those seeds that were planted and that to really fully bloom in my life. But it, it planted seeds and I know, like every time now, as I as I as I encounter something, I always think about that. We're gonna trust the Lord, and I'm gonna believe. I'm gonna freaking believe that He loves me, and He will not leave me. And I and I just that's a great testimony, Sandra. So praise Jesus for what He's doing. All right, well, let's uh, let's look into a, just an encouragement here in John chapter one. We're going to be beginning in verse 5. We did the first four verses last week. Um, so let's pray. Jesus, we, we simply ask you, your word would encourage our hearts, challenge us. And Jesus, that uh, you would bless the children downstairs and Norm and Rich ministering to them. And I pray that they would be filled with your spirit, with your love for one another and us too. Uh, help us to honor you and to really love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, well, last week, we read the first four verses, and let me just kind of briefly summarize what those were. They were an invitation John is giving to everyone to be a part of a secret club <laughs> of love. <laughs> and it was this club that, that once you're a part of it, there's, you'll never be the same. It's, it's an amazing place where you are loved, and he, it's, it's what Jesus had with the Father for all eternity past. They had this, they, he didn't create men so that he would have someone to hang out with. God had fellowship, 
from eternity past. He knew what koinonia fellowship was or that unity of relationship and being able to share things. He's always had that in himself. And so he created men to expand that club from three people, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, to all of us. He invites all of us in. So that's what those first four verses, and maybe in your Bible it's divided into a little paragraph too. It's really interesting because those are all one big long sentence in Greek. Uh, John didn't like periods, so he just did one big long run-on sentence. It says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which our eyes have seen. He's talking about Jesus, and this all links back to the book of John. And then he, he ends it by saying, in these things we write that your joy may be full. So that's why I said it was a, it's the secret club of joy and and it, he wants us to be happy. And God knows that you will only be happy in, in close relationship with him, in deep connection and, and unity with him, but with each other. It, it, it's, it's an all of us together thing. There are no lone wolf followers of Jesus. You can't do it on your own. It's, it just doesn't work that way. We're going to get into that a little bit more tonight. But we're going to get into some, of the, some really cool stuff tonight. So first, we're going to see in verse 5 that God is perfect light. God is perfect light. It says, This is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So this frames the discussion of the entire first half of the book. So chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, all the way to verse 10 is the first half of the book. Then you'll get to the second half of the book in verse 11. And that starts the second half of the book. So basically, John writes this book in two different, uh, it's like a sermon, and he's got two different halves. And the first half is that God is light, and the second half will be that God is love. If you see in chapter 2, 3 verse 11 says, this is the message that you've heard from the beginning that we should love one another. So John, he's not giving, and again, any new information. The, the book of 1 John isn't giving us any profound doctrines or anything like that. He's simply reminding people. He's, he's doing what a good pastor should do, which is get people stirred up for what they know about Jesus and, and helps them to apply it into their life. So the first half of his sermon is going to be about God is light. The second half is going to be about God is love. And you can tell because he uses that phrase, for this is the message that you've heard from the beginning. This is the message. God is light. So the first thing we need to know about how to be happy, because he said that's the purpose of the book, is for you to have joy. He's the first thing you need to know is that God is light. So what does it mean that God is light? If someone says that to you, God is light, God is light. We need to walk in the light. Well, I love, you maybe in the 1990s, DC talk, I'm going to be in the light. You remember that song? Right? Represent old DC talk? That's right. <clears throat> oh, I was such a nerd in high school. Anyone else there with me? There's, I was, DC talk was so hardcore at the time. Anyway, what does it mean that God is light? Well, it simply means that God is perfect perfect it says there's no darkness at all and this is a description of his character or who he is he doesn't mess up he never makes a mistake he never does anything wrong he is light there's never if there is ever anything wrong between you and god guess who is in the wrong you if there's ever a problem in your relationship with god you're the source of it 
He has never yet made a mistake. And John says, this is the most important thing for you to be happy in your life, is to understand you're the problem. God's not the problem. You are the problem. God is all pure. He is all perfect. He is all good. He says there's no darkness at all. No darkness at all. All right. Well, that's, that's the first way to happiness. God, this one who never has made a mistake, has chosen you and invited you into relationship, into covenant with him, into I'm going to save you, I'm going to take care of you, I'm going to walk with you, and I never make a mistake. I never make a mistake. Even though you make mistakes, raise your hand if you make mistakes. Oh, yeah, we make mistakes all the time. Even though that doesn't discount my choice that I am perfect. And my choice to choose you was perfect also. What a great place to start feeling self-value. It doesn't come from self-esteem. It doesn't come from thinking about yourself. Who does it come? Who do you think about if you want to have real value in your soul? God and his perfection. That's where he says the source of joy comes from. All right, so now we're going to see that, that not all so-called believers are in fellowship with God. That's his next direction here. So the next verse, verse 6, he said, If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So some people who say they know God <clears throat> are lying. And you guys probably are well aware of that. But John, he sees things very black and white. He doesn't leave room really for uh, interpretation or wiggle room for, oh, well, they might be this. No, he, he says fellowship with God is not compatible with walking in darkness. Well, what does that mean? What is darkness? Anything that's not perfect. Anything that's all the stuff that is not in God, because God is light. He's perfect, exactly. And in him is no darkness. So if a person's life and walk include all sorts of things that God is not, then they are lying and don't really walk with God, John says. The truth is, he says, here's something that needs to be practiced, not just believed. And if you don't act on it, he says, you don't really believe it. So our actions line up with what we believe. John says that's the truth. I mean, James says the same, th same thing in his book. Um, we see that faith without works is dead. Exactly. And John, he's saying there's some people that they, they think they're walking with God, but their life is filled with darkness, things that, that aren't God. Then look at what happens in verse 7. But, he says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. First John, chapter 1. But if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. 
So in contrast to the people we just talked about who say they know God, but they don't really know God because they're not walk, their walk is filled with all kinds of things that are not godly. He are the ones who say they know God here, and we see that they really do know God. To walk in the light means simply that you agree with God. You agree with God. You walk in agreement with God. It means you always repent when you fall. Do you know someone who doesn't repent when they fall? When they sin? They, they don't repent. Right. What did you say? Unbelievers. Unbelievers. Well, if someone says, I'm a believer, but they refuse to repent, what are they? Unbelievers. And what is repentance? Repentance, that's base definition, is to agree with God, to turn around your, your uh, judgment of the situation and say, I'm wrong and God is right. That's what repentance is, is you're agreeing, you're coming to agreement with God. <clears throat> to walk in the light means you're always willing to agree with him. I'm always willing to say, I could make a mistake, I did make a mistake, I was wrong. And God, you're not wrong. Now, the, the general thing inside us is that we get scared when we have to repent. We worry about it because we don't like to repent because it's embarrassing and it's humbling. But God loves us to repent because it brings us back into the light. It brings us back into the light where we can wa- we're walking with him. You generally, if you're walking in the light, you don't keep sinning for long periods of time because you don't desire to resist the Holy Spirit and his conviction. This is the most base way we can tell who's a Christian and who's not a Christian. Do you have a heart that longs to walk with God? That heart doesn't come from you. It comes as a gift to all believers. When they say, Jesus, I believe in you by faith, God gives them a gift of the Holy Spirit that comes inside into their heart and they now have this conviction of the Spirit when they sin. They, they, they have this comfort when they're in pain. They have it inside where they want to walk with God. Sin breaks that and it breaks our heart when we're a believer. So a a person who's walking in the light generally doesn't spend long periods of time walking in sin. Now, did I say you're sinless? No, no. I sin. Real, two hands. I sin. I sin. And yet, I love the Lord and I desire to walk with him and I repent big and loud. I want to anyway. <laughs> it's this, what we're describing, this walking in the light, I like to call it a surrendered life. A surrendered life. Now check this out. He says here that the first result of living a surrendered life or walking in the light is, is that we have koinonia fellowship with each other. 
And this is super weird because I would have thought if I was writing this book of First Sean, <laughs> I would have said we have fellowship with God. But John, he, he doesn't say that. He's going a different direction. John is teaching us that our relationship with God and our surrender to God is most clearly seen through our relationships with each other. That's where you can really see whether someone's heart and life is surrendered to God. People can fake it in church. Did you know that? There's sometimes hypocrites in church. I, it's not here, but in a lot of churches, <laughs> I've heard that there can be people who fake it, and then when they go outside the church, they act totally different. They are surrendered to many things that are darkness. He says here, you can tell. You can tell, and the first sign that someone has surrendered is that they have unity with other believers. They're connected deeply with other believers. There's a desire for them to say, would you pray with me? Hey, let's go to church. I, why? Why do you want to go to church? I just There's something about being around God's people, I want to be there. Even if, if I'm the loserest of the losers, maybe they can just, I just like being around them because they give me hugs, they pray for me, they encourage me. There's something about it. And then there are some people who could hate, that, that hate church. Have you met those people? Oh, I don't mind God, but it's his followers that's the problem. I don't like, rah, rah, rah. I hear him all the time, right? And, and they, according to this, they haven't got that surrendered life yet. They haven't decided that I'm surrendered to God's way. And so God's people aren't, aren't their best friends. God's people aren't, they, they're not super connected yet. And that's, that's a, a problem. It's a, it's a, it's a symptom that we can identify. And we don't identify to say, you are terrible because you don't like the church. No. We teach them about, we go back to the beginning. God is light. In him is no darkness at all. When you surrender to him, God's people will become a blessing, your source of happiness and joy. All right, but there's two things he points out here that we can tell from a, a surrendered life. The second result of living a surrendered life is that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. And this is so cool. All right, Spurgeon quote, Spurgeon quote. Yes. I generally do lots of Spurgeon quotes, so we've made up a jingle every time to trigger when a Spurgeon quote comes. Here's our Spurgeon quote for the day. Observe yet again that in, this, in the verse there is no hint given of any emotions, feelings, or attainments as cooperating with the blood to take away sin. Christ took away the sins of his people and was punished for those sins as if he had been himself a sinner. And so sin is taken away from us, but in no sense, degree, shape, or form is sin removed by attainments, emotions, feelings, or experiences. So Jesus' blood is not like 409 or lava soap that actually 
scrubs us clean. You guys remember lava soap? That stuff was hardcore. That could get off your skin. I mean, oof. I don't think they sell it anymore. I think it's like... Do you? I thought the EPA said it was like killing everything. Oh, okay. Good. Lava soap. All right. His blood is similar, but it's not, it doesn't act like that. In other words, it's not something that we need to apply to ourselves every day. It's his life given on the cross that he points to on our behalf to the Father for, at all times for us. So he is, he is up in heaven, and he's kind of like standing before the Father, pleading his own blood, Daily for us. Whenever we sin, Jesus, before you even think about it, repenting, Jesus is already standing up before the Father and saying, wait, 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 wait. My blood covers him. And the Father says, oh, yes, it does. Yes, it does. And this relationship between Jesus as the sacrifice and the Father as the righteous Father, the righteous judge who must judge sin, it plays out over and over and over again over your life without you ever knowing when you walk in Him. Jesus is always pleading for you. He intercedes always for you. Every time you sin, he cleanses you every time, every time, every time. How many times has my heart been healed by this truth? How many times have I just sinned and sinned and had a hard heart about it? And then the scriptures or Jesus himself by his spirit reminds me of what he's doing in heaven for me. And it breaks me it breaks me and my heart melts for the lord and i repent in tears and i never want to hurt him again and it brings me such joy to just be able to say that my heart gets healed over and over and over again by jesus when i sin he is not up in heaven being like, again? Oh my gosh, this guy never learns. He's always doing the same thing. It's over. I've got to find a new way to make his life miserable so he doesn't do this again. Jesus has a different plan to fix me. He pleads his own blood to the Father. He presents his life that he gave as a sacrifice for mine to the Father. And then he pours love in me. He tells me how much he loves me. He tells me how free I am over and over and over again. And so my sin, which the devil meant to destroy me, now becomes just another time when I get to repent and get reminded of what Jesus did, and it heals me. The sin doesn't heal me, but Jesus heals me. He conquers sin. He conquers the enemy in the most amazing ways over and over again. When I have no hope or reason to plead for myself, I, I can't say anything about it. I'm horrible. Jesus has stood up for me 
time and time again and pled his own blood, which cleanses me from sin. Wow. Every time I worship the Lord, I want to remember that. I want to fall on my knees and say, I don't deserve to be loved like this. Never. It's amazing. It's amazing. So that's our encouragement for today.